Patrick Hoots from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the coaches panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Just a couple of weeks left to go in your fantasy footy season. Hello, it's MJ from the coaches panel. Yeah, seven games. Seven rounds of nine games of football. That's bad math for me right there, hey? But there's a lot to talk about this week. And joining me on this episode, as he has a couple of times right throughout your 2022 fantasy footy season, I've got Jordox. Hello, buddy. How are you? Very well, MJ. Very excited to be on ahead of another very big round of fantasy footy. There is a, a lot we got to get through. It all gets underway Thursday night and then rolls through into multiple games on the Sunday. So depending on the time you're listening to this, your Thursday teams are probably out. If not, they're about to be. But let's be honest, the big names we're all hanging on for are Gorn and Jackson and Simon Goodwin has already confirmed that they will be playing. On this episode, Jordox, a couple of things I want to cover for coaches. I do want to talk about the returning big premium three. And what I mean by that is Gorn, English, and next week, Bailey Smith. I want to talk about what we should or shouldn't be doing with those three arguably best 22 options we want to get. I want to look at some players that, based on fixture, price, role, unique ownership, that you and I think could be ripping options to get. But before we get there, I want to talk about some guys, Jordox, that I think we need to seriously consider moving off because it does come to this point of the year, mate, doesn't it, where guys that have been good, even maybe great at some points in the year, have started to slow a little bit for one reason or another. But before we do, Jordox, what are some of the reasons, rather than let's talk about the players for a sec, what are some of the caveats and reasons we might consider jumping off of a player? Uh, well, the obvious one would be, uh, you know, when a, a, a player returns from a long-term injury, that yeah. the player you've got was taking that role. You know, when there's a role change in the season, it can always revert back. Um, the guys I've looked at, uh, the caveat would be, um, you know, how's your squad looking? The, the guys I'm going to talk about jumping off, I, you would only do if your squad is pretty much finished and now you're looking at how to maximise already you know the primos you've already got yeah i think you're right the the variance we always talk about on a lot of these podcasts is what's the format you play what is your focus is it league or is it rankings if it's a limited trade formats what are the remaining amount of trades you've got left to go and then lastly what's your level of bench cover like to avail you through these final seven weeks so based on those seven variables We'll throw out some guys that do need to be looked at. Who have you got first? Give us, I know you've got a couple there. I've got a couple as well. Who are a couple of guys that if you're in the luxurious position to move them off, you're going to seriously entertain, look at moving these guys away from your side? Yeah. Uh, so one one is a guy I wasn't all that keen on in preseason, and then I grabbed him anyway, and he's had a fantastic year. This doesn't... Uh, um, this isn't for super coach, by the way, okay. this particular player. This would be a dream team AF move. And it's James Sicily, who averaging 95 in those formats, um, has had an excellent year. He's not going to hurt you on field. He's mm. scoring 80s 
every week. Um, but his ceiling just hasn't really been. Yeah, there nothing this over one twenty this year in AF. No, no, not even, um, not even over. Oh, he got a one eighteen yeah. earlier in the year. But yeah, just look in the in the last five weeks, he's had the the one in the last six weeks rather the one ton um, and a bunch of eighties. So very reliable. He's not someone that's going to stress you out. But if you can move him on to another big dog, you know, look at a, a Doherty. If you've avoided him, he's going to come down in price. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just some other options there that are going to go bigger in the in the run home. And the question you've got to ask when you look at, am I axing a Primo at this time of year? Um, do you think that Primo will be in the top six or top eight, top ten of that position for the run home? The remaining and yeah. yeah, and Sicily's got a great matchup this week against our Crowies. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, he's one I would look at sidewaysing if your side is looking good. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that shit. You're right, Super Coach. It's blasphemy to look at moving him on. Yeah, but in, no chance in AFL fantasy and dream team. If all the ifs line up, I think he's going to go probably about ninety for the next seven weeks, which is fine, perfectly fine if if you've got a hold. But if you're in the luxurious position to make some maneuvers. Don't hate it. Don't, definitely don't hate it. Um, I, I got one before I, I let you have, have another one. For me, it feels fairly obvious, but it is luxurious. That's Patrick Cripps. In his first seven games of the year, even taking that sub-affected hamstring tweak, minor adjustment, whatever it was you wanted to say he had in that game, in his first seven games of the year, he went 127 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 142 in Supercoach. In his last seven games... He's going 88 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 96 in Supercoach. And in losses this year in AFL Fantasy, he's going 88. And in Supercoach, it's 93. Here's the run home for the Blues. It's not the worst, but it's also not the easiest. A very improved West Coast. Who would have thought we'd ever say that this week? Then Geelong, Giants, both very midfield dominant teams. And then the final three games of the year are interesting. It's Brisbane, Melbourne, and dare I even say it, Collingwood. So it's not the easiest of fixtures for them. I would say probably outside of their games against the Crows, they'd probably mark that down for a win, even though it is at Adelaide Oval. And they would expect to beat West Coast, even though it is over at Optus Stadium. For me, there's just enough trend for it to be negative. That again, it's the luxurious trade that if I could make the move, I'd jump off. Because he, what he was doing at the start of the year, Jordox, was unsustainable. Was 35 touches, five or six tackles, five or six marks, two or three goals a game. Like, that's just not sustainable for he anyone. Was, he was, early in the season, he was tracking for the Brownlow-Coleman double. Yeah. that many goals. And he actually hasn't kicked a goal in his last three games. He's getting plenty of touches. Yeah, um, Always handball-happy Cripper. Um, the tackling is still there. I mean, it was on the weekend. Yep. But yeah, he's getting the touches. He's just not getting the marks. Tackles, it's just the extra the peripheral things, isn't it? There's there's not as much goals. There's not as many marks. Uh, there's a little more of the other full midfield complement are starting to be around. So again, it's luxurious because like I said, the last seven, 96 in Supercoach isn't shocking. And neither is an 88, 89 in AFL Fantasy. Not shocking. But when you're wanting to get onto guys that can go 105, 110, 115 over these last seven weeks, is Cripps likely to do that? Sure. 
But for me, if I had the luxury, I'd look to move him on. He's held his value too. That's another thing. You know, when these guys have dropped, you know, huge amounts of money, you you know, you've got to really evaluate whether it's worth it. But with a, with a guy like Cripps who still has held some value, you can sideways or, or chop a 50, 60 K on his head to get one of the big boys. Yeah. All right. Give me your, give me your last guy that again, if you're in the luxurious position of your team being in a certain position and trades are a plenty and depth is solid, what are you looking to move on? Oh, it's pretty harsh, but Jaden Shaw um, oh. has moved into the midfield and <laughs> has gone the opposite way in his he scoring. Um, Definitely he, an he's still, yeah. yeah, of course. Um, you know, earlier in the year, he was getting those high mark tallies that was helping him hit some really super super high scores. And, and now in the midfield, he's just getting the quick kicks. You know, he, he's more of a contested player now. And, I mean, it's been a fascinating sort of change for him. I didn't think he had this in him. And I, I imagine Tiger fans would be pretty happy to see him in the guts. He's such a good player and he, he goes hard. But for us fantasy coaches, his, um, his scoring is quite similar to Cripps in, in DT and fantasy in the last five weeks. Mm. And oh, look, you'd, you'd be, um, like I said, your side's got to be absolutely humming to make a move like that. But yeah. He's very, very um, commonly owned, so it, it, it is a it is a play to move him on. That's probably um, more the play, isn't it? Because he's still, yeah. I think, in the last three weeks, he'd still be top ten defender based on rolling average. But what you're probably banking against is the fact that he's so highly owned. I think one in three, one in four, yeah, one, closer to one in three coaches own him. You're trying to get five to ten points of separation off the pack off that one maneuver. I'm assuming. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting Yeah, one to look at. Yeah, I don't mind it. Look, in Supercoach, five of his last seven games have been between 82 and 88 as well. So he's certainly dropped away from where he was probably the safest 110-plus defender every week in Supercoach, where he's only had one score over 110 since round eight, which is really when the role really moved for him outside Mm. of that West Coast game the week before. So I I, I agree. I, I think there's... He's been very, very good. Um, but maybe, if all things being equal, you can move him on. I don't hate it. Um, the one I think is the most obvious one is Darcy Cameron. Where mm. at least one week left, there's a chance Grundy gets a VFL game or two. But, but I can't see it being any more than that. He's been one of the best buyers of the year, without doubt. And... Even though Collingwood have a great fixture, and we'll talk about about that in a sec when we look at guys to trade into your fantasy football sides, the reality for it, Jordox, I think is this. Grundy is one of the best ruckmen in the league when fit. Period. You do not choose, as good as the Cameron and Cox combination may have been at pockets this year, you do not leave when you're pushing for finals one of the premier ruckmen, even out of form. He is still 50 million times better footballer than Mason Cox. And that enables Darcy Cameron, who's quite an accomplished forward, to play forward a little bit more. So so I don't buy any of the narrative that people say, oh, they'll play Grundy more forward and give Cox the number one role. No, they won't. Um, th- <laughs> no. Th- it's going to be Grundy. So for me, it is... Have your plans ready. And even if it means you're jumping off a week 
early to be certain you can make the move, he becomes your ticket to those three guys that we alluded to at the top of the podcast. The Bailey Smiths, the Tim Englishes, the Max Gorns, the guys you probably do want to have in your final side. He's your easy ticket to those guys in terms of the money he's made. So for me, the moment Grundy's named, absolutely you need to abort out of, of Darcy Cameron as an option for you. But I wouldn't be opposed to jumping off early. That's for sure. Particularly. Particularly with the the value, that is the ultimate cash out. Yeah, those that jumped on um, when Grundy went down, if you cash out at the right time, the money you would have made and the points on field, of course, it's yeah, one of the players of the year. Well he's done to you if you did it. It's ab- like he's five hundred and forty k in Supercoach right now. So you make money just as an illustration. You make money trading him to Christian Petrarca. It, I was thinking more in, in you know DT and AF going if he's in your forward line down to a Toronto, you know. Yeah, and again in, in AFL fantasy you make you make fifty k from Cameron yeah. down to Toronto. Amazing! Who would have thought that? Hey. So let's talk about those three guys then. While, while we're there, Max Gorn confirmed to play this week alongside Luke Jackson, which was a popular trade in two weeks ago when many were staring down a donut in their ruck division. Thank you, Braden Pruce, amongst others, for, for mentioning that there's your one per podcast, friends. I got no, him in we're not there. Talking, we're not talking about it. I just need to do one per podcast, you know, to win. Uh, Tim English, yeah. another, the Bulldogs have already confirmed, will play this week, while next week, back off his four-week suspension, Bailey Smith is there. So maybe all three need to be treated differently based on formats and positional availability. But Jordox, for you, are these three guys, are you still fighting to create space and margin to get them into your side over the next two to four weeks? I don't think you should make your plans strictly to getting these guys in. Um, if I look at the three of the bit, let's just leave Luke Jackson out sure. for the time being. Um, but the three big ones in Gorn, English and Smith, from where I sit, I, I think English is a lock. I have no so you'd make him the number someone. one trade priority out of those trio? I would. Yep. Um, I think he's the one that has already shown us this year after a, a big spell out of the game, he comes in and dominates. Mm. Uh, so that's that. Um, the concern I have with Gorn and Smith, so Gorn first would be sure. um, just how good Luke Jackson was in that one game. Mm. And different to you know, that what you were saying about Grundy before in relation to Cameron, and which I really agree with, is Gorn can play forward and he can be moved okay. around the ground. Yep. And I think there is a chance that Melbourne will bring him back in. Oh, well, they are bringing him back in. But bringing him back in, and I think we might see a more even split in the ruck between him and Jackson um, for two reasons. One, the way Jackson played and... You know, he was so dynamic in that game. He really brought a different sort of style to the game than Gorn does. Um, and then the second point is, you know, Gorn, he's keen to get back and they wouldn't rush him back. But I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to just ease him into the next few weeks because they need him raring to go in September. So with all that said, Gorn, I think I'd like to have a look at him first this week. Okay, so you're not, you're not prepared plans. to jump blind on Gorn, but you you could be. And again, if someone's like, I've got the money for one of these two big guys, because Smith isn't available for us this week. I could get English or Gorn. 
you're saying without knowing the other variants, yeah. English is the one that you'd be happy to jump blind I, onto. I do, because e- even if you get it not wrong, but sure. even if you decide I still want Gorn, you can do that if you trade a forward for Gorn and then swing English. So that DPP is probably what helps English there as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really fair shout. We, we know English is probably the more prone to injuries and knocks and missing games. We've seen him miss multiple this year, whereas Gorn, for the better part of his career has been bulletproof in terms of his health and finding a way to push through. So I I think you're right. I think if you can only get one this week, English is the guy. It's interesting to me how coaches will find a way to get Gorn in and what will they do to do it. And the reason I say that, the caveat is, over the past few weeks, we've been seeing coaches jumping into guys like Goldstein, O'Brien, Darcy and Luke Jackson, who we alluded to, to be able to navigate the loss of English and Gorn and Bruce and Tickle not being available for us. So for me, it's going to be fascinating to see teams that are relatively quote unquote complete now, what the gap they believe will be from Gorn over these next seven weeks. Because it's not Gorn versus, let's use O'Brien as an example in DT and AF. The gap between what O'Brien and Gorn does over the next seven weeks is probably, I think, 10 to 15 points per game Gorn's way overall. Just just as a base, you know, average kind of go, let's say O'Brien's a 90 and Gorn's a 105 guy. Yeah, okay. So is that worth the trade? Well, maybe. But remember, you banked the 120 last week of O'Brien. So now you've already 120 points ahead. So even if gone was to go again this is purely afl fantasy and dream team i'm talking about even if gone was to go 15 points better per game what is that 80 90 points over the year mm-hmm. okay 110 points over the year sure you're, you're already ahead just on that one trade alone and so i think that's where it's going to be interesting to see how people and again it's format dependent because in AFL Fantasy, two trades a week, use it or lose it, doesn't matter. Whereas Supercoach and Dream Team, the conserving of trades can be very, very viable and vital strategy to play. So Gorn's a and very at, interesting one. Look at the time of year. I mean, what round are we entering now? Round 17. 17, yeah. And, you know, if Gorn takes a few weeks to really get back to his usual self, sure. I mean, you've got a month left. If you traded Gorn to a Riley O'Brien or a Sean Darcy, you had to, in the back of your mind, think... I may have to run with that ruck guy for the, for the year. Rest of the year because yeah. too many other things come up. Having said all that, Gorn is the type of guy that could come out uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night this week, and go bang, and everyone's scrambling to get him. So hundred percent. If you get him first, you're a week ahead of everyone. But well, I'm keen to have a look. Yeah, look, the matchups from a, from a Melbourne perspective. If you're looking at the rucks, Geelong, Port Adelaide, Bulldogs, Fremantle, Collingwood, Carlton, Brisbane. So, so and then it's if there. you compare, if you compare to say Riley O'Brien, who um, has had some really nice scores against sides that have weak ruckmen, or yep. in some cases no ruckmen, yep. which is always handy. Uh, like this week comes up against young Ned Reeves at the Hawks. Then he has Collingwood, which may just be Cameron still. Yep. Sydney, you know Hickey's pretty good, but yep. uh, you know you can't pick them. Carlton, uh, Pitnet might be back. West Coast have Nick Nat back. 
north and in port. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a convinced even that 10, 15 points a week gone over Rob is actually going to happen. But we'll see. Yeah, and, and I think that's where it comes down to. You, if you're an AFL fantasy coach, it's then just running the narrative. Because that's what I think we often... Maybe this is me getting on my hobby horse for a second, but I, I watched people that captained Mills last week absolutely lose their mind on social media. But the narrative behind why they put the captaincy on Mills was right. He went 150-odd, I think it was, across the formats against them less than two months ago. Midfielders have scored well against them. Mills has got a proven ceiling about him, even a 200 already this year. So the narrative was there. It's just the variable elements outside of your control weren't. Yeah. And so when you're looking at guys like Gorn to trade into, or an English to trade into, or in a week or two's time, Bailey Smith, it's got to be the narrative because if the narrative holds strong that this is my logic, this is my reason, this is my plan, does is it strong? Because if the answer is yes, confidently make the trade. If it's not, that's fine. So when people are going, oh, I don't like Mills, it's like, well, no one could have predicted that amount of volatility and positioning of Mills. We've seen him move back, but we haven't seen nah. him flung forward, wing and back and centre bounce all in one game. That's what we got. It means Mills can't be a pure captaincy option for me for the rest of the year. Vice-captain's yeah. fine, but not a captain for those reasons. That that score from Mills, pure and simple, was a gift to non-owners. It's all Of course. Because, uh, yeah, he, he had no right to score that. And we, for anyone that captured him, no one has the right to say, oh, why'd you make him captain? I mean, that's the game. It happens. The narrative is the key. And, that, and I'll bring that back to the mm. point for someone like a, a Tim English. You, you made a really good point, Jordox. He's shown multiple times this year, coming back off a layoff, he just picks up right where he's left off. Gorn's got the ability and super coach to be the number one scorer from now to the end of the year. Genuinely does. And so there could be merit in trading out whoever you put into R2 for that very reason. It's all just got to be what's the logic, what's the reason, what's the narrative, what's my focus, what's my objective. Once you can work your way through those things, it should clear the muddy waters of whether or not you should trade or you should hold. Um, mm. Those good are good things. Yeah, and Bailey and Smith's then, the same in, in yeah, a week's time. He, he's not been injured. He's just suspended. So he's training all the way through. I'd very happily leap blind into Bailey Smith. Yeah, I, it's hard to argue. And, and I I think I'm, you know, a bit more tentative. I've been burnt in recent sure. weeks with some of the trades I've made on guys coming back. Um, Bailey Smith, he's the sort of guy that could come back as if, you know, he didn't miss a, miss a beat. Um, the only thing with him is, geez, our forward lines are pretty full. And I don't know about you, but my forward line's getting pretty full of players from the same team. It's very uh, bulldog, bulldog heavy. Has very. a monopoly on the full forward line. Even someone like Liver. I mean, t- um, oh, yeah, so Liver. We a ripper. nearly said Tony Tom Libertori. Um He's someone in any other year we'd all be trying to get him in. I haven't heard his name mentioned once in the last month. But the thing with having so many from the same team, it, it, it can be fine. Um, it can be okay. But the chances of all of them scoring a ton in the one week. It's minimal compared to, say, having a spread from other clubs. The thing I do like about all those dogs from a um, head-to-head, um, what am I saying? The 
leagues focused, sorry. Um, they have Hawthorne down in Tassie in the grand final, round 23. So it's not a bad. Feel free to let up. But, yeah, Smith, I think um, the other thing on him coming back is that it's always the same thing with the Bulldogs is how many mouths they have to feed. And I don't know if he comes straight back in and, and gets the role he had a month ago or does he ply his trade on the half-forward flank moving up into rotations for a couple of weeks. Yep. I don't know. I just, with the Bulldogs, with Bevo, with the amount of guns they have, um, he's another I probably myself personally would like to just sit and wait yep. um, one week. And don't forget, his last game uh, in, in DT and Fantasy was a 63. That wasn't injury-affected, just had a, a dirty night. So my point being, waiting has its benefit because you get a look, and then the other benefit is you're going to get him cheaper than if you jumped into him straight away. Um, so, yeah, he's one I'd look at in a few weeks. He'll be a bargain. He will be a bargain. Yeah. If you can wait till yeah. round 19, 20 and get him for the mm-hmm. final four, you're right. You're going to get him at his lowest point outside of his starting price for the year. Let's look at some guys, though, that we could look to trade in. I think there's always a couple of variables where we're going to list a bunch of names in a sec to wrap up the episode. There's always variances. Things like a team's fixture on the run home, uh, the price point, a, a player's role, which you alluded to already, Jordox, at the top of the episode. But before we look at some of the players, what's interesting to me to note is the actual ladder makes a difference. Because what we will see is we will see teams that are competing for the final few spots in the bottom part of the top eight or even pushing for top four going all out for it. What we will see is AFL teams that are out of finals contention and are not in a coaching insecure space look to open up some attempts to do something a little bit different. I bring that up for probably right at the front of that is a team like GWS. They're four games out of finals as we speak right now. I can't see them making finals. They they have to go and win every game from now through to the end of the year and they play Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Carlton, Sydney, Essendon, the Bulldogs and Fremantle. They're not winning all seven games. Five I think is the best I have them going. But I can't see them winning all seven games. So it'll be interesting what that does that mean for a Taranto, for example. How does the balance of Hopper, who played in the VFL, what do they do? Now, they're auditioning McVeigh for a coach. So they, they might not be the perfect example. But a Port Adelaide, they drop probably three out of the next seven. They're no chance of making finals. The Bulldogs are probably three games down and they're out. What does that mean they do through there? So that's just the variance to talking in and around certain players. Because if you jump on certain premiums and teams get experimental, that's where it could really hurt you or, to a lesser extent, help you. Yep. And and I think, as you said, GWS, you can... Because they've got that interim coach, uh, which we've probably kind of got to remind ourselves that happened so early in the season yeah. um, as early as I can remember um, and and he's been pretty good McVeigh the Giants have looked pretty good with him so 
he, I could see GWSB treated as a team right in finals contention, even though they're clearly Just not. Just because he's pushing for a coaching because job. He's auditioning, as you said. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, look, there's lots of, there's lots to consider with the, with the teams that are going to miss finals, you know, older players being put in for surgery, mm. getting little things sorted out. Um, the first one that made me nervous when you mentioned the Bulldogs could be out of contention in a couple of weeks is, you know, someone like Bontempelli. We heard about he had a shoulder concern earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, I do think, for me, sometimes I can overthink these things. Sure. Um, so if there's a player you like, and, and we'll, we'll reel off a few um, shortly, if there's a guy you like and then their side is out of contention, just just go for it. If the role's there, if you think that player's going to have a good four or five-week run, um, don't let fixturing or you know position on the ladder for their club deter you. Let it be something if you can't split two players. Well, this team is still in contention. This team isn't 50-50. I'll go with that one. If yeah. that makes sense. No, it definitely makes sense. All right. I, I got five players. I think one or two of them might be yours. I got five players I, I'd be happy to tell someone to go look at. Again, it might be depending on price, value, position, fixture, all all of those, even ownership percentages. How, how many names have you got for us there, Jordox? Um, I have got two, four, six, seven, eight, uh, around a dozen. But what I'll do is oh. I've got, yeah, I won't do them all. I've got guys that are probably a bit more obvious and, and absolute potential to be top primos, but I've also got some guys that um, it's almost if you're getting desperate and you're trying to pick an absolute um, diamond in the rough. So maybe budget guys, just some role changes okay. I've noticed. Perhaps, perhaps if you're playing draft and you know, you're know you looking for a guy to ride home. Okay, all right. There you go. There's a little bit of all things to all people for us through yeah. there. So, all right, fair enough. Uh, give me Give me two of your... Two of your faves you'd be telling people to trade into then? Yeah, so Jack Steele, um, get on, all aboard. Uh, he's he's cheap. He's as cheap as he's going to be, and he is going to finish similar to last year. I think he's just going to go gangbusters. Yep. He's missed a bit of footy. He's a young, fit captain of the side in a finals run, and... His tackle, he's done 19 tackles in two games. It's just, um, yeah, a bit of an obvious one. The other one is Ben Keyes for yeah, the Crows. Nice. Um, a fair bit's been said in fantasy circles about the Crows run home, having some favourable um, matchups, which I uh, agree with. I don't think you can touch Laird. I mean, he's about to crack the million in you know, fantasy yeah. and DT. Yeah, amazing effort. Yeah. He, <laughs> no, he and Dawson, no I think, coach. are in that same spot. It's the... Man, I, I'm all for paying up for guys when they're they're killing it, but they're not nah, unique. Keys can match Keys the one. just about in the next five, six weeks, and he is uh, heaps cheaper. So there are a couple at the top. I like that. Well, Keys, what, he's going he's going 110 and 123 in his last two in AFL Fantasy, because that's a format I'd probably jump on. He was going 115 in the first seven, and he's under 800K. So the only risk there is if the Crows double dip on Matt Crouch again uh, and that'll really hurt him but I'd be I'd be really surprised if the Crows go there there's yeah, nothing I to think, gain by bringing yeah. Crouch back into that side we're seeing Berry emerge we're seeing Schonberg finally add a little bit of a different mix in there there's no benefit 
they're going to get nothing more than a third round pick for him if they when they trade him, should I say? So for me, it's I think that's a really fair shout. Um, if you are in the pricey market of spending up in Supercoach only, I'd be okay to spend up on Tom Liberatore. So he's 575k. So he's he's on the more expensive side of life in Supercoach, going 107 for the year, 121 in his last three, but in his last eight, his lowest score is 92. The rest are tons, and they've included a 123, 128, and 144. The reason I bring him up is not just because he's forward eligible, but the fact is he's in just 5% of teams. Under 8,000 people in Supercoach own Tom Liberatore, and he's one of the best forwards. Because again, back to the point I made a few minutes ago about narrative, why and how did he get forward status? He was building his fitness base as a forward inside forward 50 coming off an interrupted preseason over the past eight weeks since that fitness space has come what have been some of the scores you've seen amazing back to his best center bounce midfielder clearance pressure tackles for me it's expensive yes but you're now paying into one of if not the one of the best forwards for the run home so for me and a great great point of difference too i mean yeah. we talk about Jumping on Bailey Smith next week. If you go the other way to Libba, um, yeah, that that could be a great move. Do you think he? Oh, I reckon he's almost um, in danger of being tagged soon. He's been that good. Look, it's always a risk with a player of his of his caliber yeah. to get that. And but then it's the that, well, do you leave Bont to go and damage? No, no, of course. So and that was, it all depends that, on matchups. That comment, that comment was less about deterring you from getting Libba, of and course. more about. How well the guy's going. 100%. Well, Sydney, St Kilda, Melbourne, Geelong, Fremantle, Giants and Hawks for the run home through there. So I can't see Hawthorne tagging the final game of the year. Just no benefit in that point of the year. Sydney might try and run Mills or a Rowbottom type. Uh, Maybe Mills stands alongside Bont and Rowbottom runs with him this week. But yeah, for me, and then Harms might have a little bit of a role on him, but he, he's just so damaging, isn't he? Uh, give me a couple more of you guys that you got there for me, Jordox. Um, so Mitch Duncan, there was a bit talked about him last week. Yes. And just sort of taking that a bit more of the Tom Stewart role. I'm not sure if he did exactly that, but he, he certainly scored very well. And um, yeah, he's at a nice price. Um, the other one is... So this is a bit of a left of centre one. Is a guy like Zach Butters, who, and and it's this is easy for me because I haven't owned him this year. So yeah, okay. there'll be people. So there's no scar the tissue for you. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. But he is that sort of guy, isn't he? That could could have a run of Without a five that. or six week block. Go one That makes us all. Yep. That makes us all pick him next year because he's cheap, and then he <laughs> he screws us over again. But um. No, he, he's set to return this week for power. I think there's a big six weeks for him. Yeah. If he can stay fit and keep that midfield role, he's so much better than what he's been doing. And, well, and his price in, in DT's 6.12 fantasy, he's probably similar. Uh, yeah, 6.14 and then super coach, I'm not sure. But uh, 4.71 super coach. Yeah, look, if you're on a budget and... Yeah. Um, you're not faint-hearted. And, and I think that's the key because he's getting the midfield opportunity. It's just 
for a variety of different elements and variables, it's not quite landed his way. But on the games that it has, well, that's where we've seen what made him so popular as a starting squad selection. So again, those with a bit of scar tissue around him probably want nothing to do with Zach, but those that are just hunting value and and are cash-strapped and are trade-strapped, so they're kind of like, man, I, I got not much maneuvering here. What's the best bang for my buck? Yeah, butters could be. I think there's another one for me I like. I know you've got heaps more to kind of get through. I think it's only an AFL fantasy trade for me because, again, we've we've already listed probably Bailey Smith and Tim English. A lot of people in those formats will be wanting to squeeze and trade into them, let alone guys that have got the Tarantos and the Dunkleys and the Canelios uh, already rolling through there. But if you are cash-strapped, I really like steel side bottom in AFL fantasy. And I'll tell you what. Yeah. Yep. 625k in AF. Four scores over 90 in the last five. And Collingwood have arguably the best fixture over the next three weeks. They play North Melbourne this week, Adelaide the week after, and Essendon the week following that. So it is it is risky as. But when you're only spending 625k... You've got a guy that on legacy, we know what he can be. He's been a hundred guy for the better part of his whole career. But over the past five weeks, four scores, 90 plus, Collingwood have been a lot more in control of the football. It's why we're seeing them be genuinely touted as a finals contender. He's probably not going to pop you a hundred, but if you can pop you some nineties over the next three weeks at that price point, I don't hate it. It's for that very fixture. I'd be holding Dacos too because yeah. Northy might not get heaps of the ball, but Adelaide are notorious for poor inside 50 entries. He, he'll he just mop up everything. And the Bombers Absolutely. forward line is really unpredictable in, in terms of what they deliver. So for me, if I was a Dacos owner, I would say if he's on the field, keep him. If you're not putting him on the field, I think he goes 100 over the next three weeks as well. Why are you wasting 100 on your bench unless you're holding an injured guy through there? Turn him into something that's going to improve your field point positioning uh, at that point in time. So, yeah, I, I'd be holding Dacos and keeping him on field. And, you know, you mentioned a value guy. For me, Steele's a value guy. Well, side bottom is hit 90s four out of the last five yep. in that format. Um, but there was a week, and the stats don't show this, it was against the Giants the week before last. He was on, I reckon, 80-odd, yep. nearly. Nearly 80 at half time. Obviously, a terrible second half. Yeah. But anyone that can score 70 like to 80 and a half um, is, is a guy you should um, consider. Yeah, I like side bottom. I like him and Butters, very similar prices, and probably pretty similar scoring variants. Yeah, um, good shot. Have ceilings, but ugh, could let you down also. Yep. Um, uh, give, I got two more and, and a comment on two teams. Get, have you got, four, what, four or five more you want to get through? No, I'll, I'll just say one more. Okay. That's a real real play, and then I'll just do it two or three, um, right, maybe more relevant to draft. Okay. Yeah, so, well, just Bailey Dale was someone else we yeah, I like last that. week with Caleb Daniel out. Um, you know, he's been flirting with being picked... Anyway, this yeah. year, Dale, after we did last year, um, hasn't quite hit those heights. Yeah, he's had a pretty fair year, 
actually. Well, he's gone um, at 93 in AFL Fantasy and 106 in Supercoach for the year. So more yeah, than no, fine. Yeah, that's better than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we just saw last week, um, you know, uh, sorry, Dream Team Fantasy, he scored a, nearly a 120. Yeah, went 134 in, in Supercoach too. Yeah, in his, um, Daniel's absence, I should say. And we've got so another was... two to three weeks of no code with Daniel. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yep. I like that as a shout. It's a good one. Yep. Um, and then I'll just run through a few other names. Sure. Um, like I said, when I have my draft hat on, but I think if you're desperate to climb rankings and you don't have money, these are some names to have a look at. So uh, Jaden Stevenson has been um, woeful, to yes. be honest, from a fantasy perspective yes. this year. Um, he showed so much promise last year. I really thought he was one to consider, but yeah, he's been terrible. Playing deep forward, little spurts throughout the midfield. Not in a great team, to be fair to him. Anyway, on the weekend, uh, Aaron Hall went down, which was very painful for some. Yes. Um, and Stevenson seemed to slot into that role down back. He was taking kick-ins. He was, he was, uh, he was kind of everywhere yeah. in that back, back half. Um, so in Dream Team and Fantasy, he put on, I think, around 90 points after quarter time. Um, he will be very, very cheap. He will. Fantasy is 500 and something, probably similar in DT. Um, it's a it's a tricky one, but something to have a look at. Uh, Hall's injury is uh, a low-grade calf, I believe. Yeah, he's a couple of uh, weeks away. Might only be a couple of weeks, but with Bailey Scott also out. Yep. Something to look at. Yeah, don't mind uh, A couple others. Jared Berry, who was someone we all sort of had a look at. You Start know, of the year. The starting to pop it, didn't he? He is, and, and you know, Zorko's out for one week, they say, but... I wouldn't be surprised if that was longer. Mm. Um, in, in fantasy and dream team, he's, Jared Berry's now hit three tons in his last five. Yeah, um, He'll be cheap. And uh, the other one is very left to centre. Like probably this. just the draft. Well, just Oleg Markov. Oh, and nice. Let me explain. He's um, He was good last year. He's been in and out of the side this year. But the Gold Coast have lost so many of those similar players. We know mm. Lucky Bella went down a while ago. We've just seen Paul Connor Butterick do his knee again. Unfortunately, Will Powell had that horrific injury. I think that was against the Crows. Yep. Um, it doesn't leave much. So Markov is going to be playing, I reckon, that dashing halfback up the wing, up the ground, halfback roll. Uh, I think he's hit some high 70s in his last two weeks. Probably more of a draft shout. Though. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind that as a draft shout. Like, you're not going to get this player from a draft perspective that I'm suggesting because... I couldn't advocate for him in in a classic format of the game, but James Jordan. Let me let me tell you why. Now in ultimate footy, he's owned in I think it's like eighty nine percent of teams. So you're not waiver wiring or player pooling, but from a seasonal average versus what he's been doing over the last five, you might be able to just jag a sneaky one there because in AFL fantasy and dream team for the year he's averaging seventy seven point seven, and yet over the last five he's pumped out scores that are much better than that. 87, 91, 124, 87, 91. While in Supercoach, if you look at what he's done in total over the season, he's averaging 83.6, and yet over the last five, well and truly delivering over and above that. 74, 102, 135, 93, 97. Oh, by the way, two weeks before that, he also turned up in Supercoach. So 
it, it might be more of a swifty type of trade that you could pick him up where his overall season stats aren't compelling, but his recent form is quite strong. So I, I, I don't mind that depending on what you've got to pay. But the only really obvious guy that I think people are still sleeping on in fantasy footy across the board, he's not unique, but it's Christian Petrarca. He, he's $803,000 in AFL Fantasy, 526000 in Supercoach, 798k in DT. A very, very popular pick. It was baffling to me to see that people were trading him out at his buy. Because this dude is amazing value for money, given in the fact that I, I don't see why he won't go 110 plus in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 120 in Supercoach over these next seven weeks. I genuinely think he's going to be that guy. And so you're, yeah. you're only trading into him for value, not as separation from the crowd, because chances are rankings or league opponents have him. But if you're like, man, I just need a, a pretty cheap F set, you know, M8, that's going to be as good as anybody, CP5 for me. Yeah, I like Petrarca. I, I was one that sat on him and, well done. I looked at his price last week. No, no, as in didn't jump on him is what I mean. Oh, right. Yeah, well, yeah, not yeah. well done. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I mentioned it earlier, I'm more conservative. I like to just... Yeah. Just went on late. And I was watching um, against our Crows and, and he was playing more forward. And he was. part of me thought, oh, that's good. He'll, he'll score lower. I'm glad. But it actually helped him. It freed him up to obviously kick goals. Sure. He hasn't done. For a while, um, I think he kicked three or yeah, kicked three, three straight. First time yeah. he's done that for a while. And now approaching the you know, sides, approaching a Melbourne game, mm. you're now going to be thinking, well, we could tag Petraka, but if he's starting forward, that that kind of complicates it. Let's just mm. tag Oliver instead. Mm. We'll, we'll make that our focus. I just can see that working in his favour, uh, Petraka, in the next you know five six weeks, and. He's um, yeah, I agree with everything you say. He's an absolute bargain, and should be in your plans if you yep. don't have him. No, fair enough. Look, the other two teams that have really nice fixtures is Hawthorne and Sydney, but from a Hawthorne perspective, I don't want to trade into any of them. Like I just don't want to. Tom Mitchell mm. had a good score you, on the weekend, but that game was twi- made for him. You could twist my arm on Tom Mitchell. I'm a sucker for that. Mo- and I, yeah. I, I would see why the attraction is, but for me. Sam Mitchell's cards have been shown about how yeah. he wants that you, midfield to run. You know what you're getting. If you, you jump into Tom Mitchell now, you, you just you can't complain. Yeah, you can't go, where's my 120 for the year? You're going, okay, you're going to go between 85 to 110 for the year. Yeah. And you might pop a little bit of gravy on, on a few games. But we talked about teams that are on the run home. Look, the only reason you would do it with Tom Mitchell is if some significant injuries happen to the Hawks and they put away some of their kids and they're now playing for trade currency of Tom. That's the only reason. And you've just got to jump blind to that. So I wouldn't do it. Uh, no other Hawk I'm interested in. Sicily, if you have him, fine. I know you put him as a trade-out option, but in terms of trade into, absolutely not. And then Sydney's the other one. But I've got no confidence in Lloyd, even at this cheap price. Mills, you are now a couple of weeks away from getting him as value. And then Heaney, you've, if you've dodged that bullet this year, continue to play dodge is all I'll say. As good as their fixture is, 
he's not getting midfield minutes, so he's going to require goals to get him there for a score. And when you've got someone like a Bailey Smith and Tim English likely to come into your team, even for value, I don't want Isaac Heaney. So that's my kind of last comment on them. Um, you yeah. did mention Petrarca and a potential you know, that he played more forward. I'll be very clear. I would be gobsmacked if he picked up forward status at the end of this round. So no one bank on that. But we do oh, no, have another not. bunch of DPPs coming into Ooh. the game at the end of the round. There's an article going up uh, first thing Thursday morning. So it might be already at coachespanel.tv uh, for you to go and check it out right now. Our Patreons have got it uh, already, though. So they can go and check that out right now about who I think are the best bets to get DPP. Are there any names for you that you're kind of sniffing around before we wrap up the episode? You're sniffing around going, geez, I'd love this bloke to get a, an additional position. Oh, there's a few I'd love to get the position, whether they um, are eligible or even relevant. Um, <laughs> now, if I'm honest, I, being a long-time dream teamer, the, the position changes are still quite new to me and I actually forgot that that was coming up again. So... Um, no, that hasn't been on my um, my radar, but looking forward to the article you put out and sniffing around for one that could be a really smart way to end the year. Well, the, there is one that I'm not saying is going to get it, but could get it. And if they get it, it will change the dynamic of your forward line for the final six weeks of the year. Uh, you can check that yeah, out at coachespanel.tv. Uh, well done, I'll, everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for getting involved in the episode, Jordix. He's gone. He's off on daddy daycare duty. If you want to read any of the articles that we've dropped this week, you can find them at coachespanel.tv. And our Patreons, who we talked about too, all the details to find that group of supporters. It's how you show support to the Coaches Panel and get extra bonuses just for doing it. You can find the links for that at coachespanel.tv. Enjoy the round of footy and we'll chat to you next week.